The demons know me by name. I like that. Because I don't have to be afraid of them. I fear no man. I fear no demon. I fear God. The holy God. He is the one that I fear. What can men do to me? Kill me? Hey, they help the process. I'm in heaven. You see what I'm saying? There's no fear. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Roll Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Well, today we'll get some great insight into the absolute confidence you can have on the spiritual battlefield. Continuing in Mark's Gospel, Roll will show us that angels and demons are very real, but Jesus has control over them all. As his disciple, you can stand in the authority of his name, living fearlessly for the Lord Jesus. Here's Roel Reese now with today's lesson. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. We have the story of the actual man that was demon-possessed. Now in the Gospel of Matthew, it says that there were two men that were possessed in the gatherings. Now is Matthew contradicting what Mark is saying? No. It's the writer, uh, Mark is getting his story from Peter... And Peter is telling him the story and only actually sharing one of the persons that is demon-possessed here. And we begin with chapter 5, verse 1 with the story. Then they came to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which was the eastern side, the country of the Gadarenes. And that was where the tribe of Gad settled, one of the tribes of Israel. And when he had come out of the boat, Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Now first of all, notice where this guy is living. He's living in the cemetery where people are dead. That is, it is where people have been buried and the bodies are lifeless. But in the cemetery, there seems from this instance there were demons that were hanging around the cemetery. The place of the dead. And somehow, this young man had become demon possessed. And he was so possessed by the devil that no one could come near him. He became very aggressive and violent and even eventually wanted to kill people. I don't know how many of you have really studied the actual theology of demonology or of demons. But I think it's important that we understand that Satan is a real person and his demons are real people too, are actually real beings that do exist. At one time, the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah chapter 14, and then also in the book of Ezekiel chapter 28, that at one time, Satan, when he was literally thrown out of heaven, back in the book of Revelation chapter 12, Verses 10 to 12. He says that to be hell, I saw Satan fall like lightning. At that particular moment when Satan was cast out of heaven, one third of the angels in heaven decided to rebel against God and to go with their captain, Satan. And ever since then, 
Satan and these demons have been around for a long time. And they have possessed people's bodies. And they hang out where the dead are. And they harass and they oppress people. And one of the things that Paul the Apostle says in the book of Ephesians is that a lot of times as believers we don't recognize that even as we're sitting in this room tonight and it seems peace and quietness and we just finished worshiping the Lord that literally if we could open our spiritual eyes we would be totally blown away by the principalities and the powers and rulers of darkness that are in this building right now. If we would be able to see with our eyes. They're spiritual beings that harass people. That not only harass people, but the Bible says they're out walking, looking for bodies to possess. That's right. Bodies to possess. Whether it be animal or whether it be human. In this situation... We see that this person, number one, is a non-believer. First of all, we want to understand that if you're a child of God, if you are a Christian, you and I could never ever be demon-possessed. Christians can only be oppressed, but not possessed. Once the Holy Spirit comes into my life, in my heart, the light is always greater than the darkness. The only possible way that a child of God could ever be demon-possessed is for you to deny Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and say you hate God completely and you want to go back into the world, then you're a candidate probably for Satan to come and possess you and to destroy your life. But if you're a child of God and you're a Christian, then the light is always greater than the darkness. Satan and his demons are constantly looking for people they can harass. But yet in this situation, there was a young man, and he was in the side of the gatherings, and he was demon-possessed. Look what it says. And he lived among the tombs of men in an unclean spirit. Verse 3, and his dwelling was among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Can you imagine to see a human person with chains, and literally have that person break those chains? Supernatural strength. So demons are real, Satan is a real person. But they know that their time is just about up. They know they're running out of time. Now, one of the things that I would recommend as we go back into the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 13 and 18, we are warned as children of God never to mess with Ouija boards or tarot cards or go to astrologers or to read the stars and things like that or even palm readers. Why? Because you're opening the door for Satan to harass you. When you come to Jesus Christ, you should burn everything and get rid of all those things. And then we have a pretty good description of hell in the book of Luke's gospel, chapter 16, verse 19, the rich man and Lazarus. Where we have the story of the rich man having everything in life, buying and having parties every night. And this poor beggar that was diseased, walking the city of Jerusalem every night, looking for somewhere to dwell and to sleep and something to eat. And when he came to the great mansion of this rich man, they were having a party, they were sitting in the courtyard. 
And as this poor beggar was sitting there at the gate, reaching through the gate to pick up the crumbs, the dogs would come and lick up his face and all the sores that were over his body. And the Bible says that that very night, when that rich man was having a party, that that poor beggar outside, nobody ever saw him, nobody ever spoke to him, nobody ever met his needs. That beggar died outside of that gate. And the Bible says that that very night, the angels of God came to pick up his spirit, and they took him to hell. Now what's interesting in the scriptures is that before Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead, every person in the Old Testament up to the time of Jesus Christ, everybody that died, young or old, went to hell. In hell, which is the center of the earth, it's a place where there was called Abraham's bosom, and the place of torment on the other side, and there was a gulf separating between the righteous and the wicked. In Abraham's bosom were those in the Old Testament that had faith in God, and had died in faith in God, and they had gone there to Abraham's bosom, waiting for Jesus Christ to die and rise again from the dead, so they could actually be taken out of there, and taken to heaven, to paradise, where every one of them dwelt today. But that very night, as everybody became, not only excused themselves from the party, they started to leave. And the rich man finally closed the gates, the servant dismissing everybody, went upstairs and thinking about all of his guests, and the party, and the women, and the talk of all the town, and all the things, and looking forward to the next weekend. Man, I'm going to plan this party, and I'm going to get these people to come. We're going to buy this, we're going to do this. And thinking about all this stuff, not knowing that that very night, he would die too. That he would die. And sometime around in the morning, Early morning, this guy died and the angels came to get his spirit and they took him to the same place where Lazarus was. Except that they threw him on the other side. The Bible says that in hell, he had all five senses working. He had eyes and ears. He had a mouth. He had a nose. He could literally think. He had a brain. He could think of everything that he had ever done in his life. And he knew that he had family. Because the Bible says that when he got there, the first thing he did is he immediately recognized Abraham on the other side. And he said, hey, Father Abraham, do you think it would be possible for Lazarus on that side to go over and dip his finger in cool water and come over to this side and dip a little water in my tongue for I am burning in this flame? Now you tell me hell is not real. Individually being tormented in hell. Instantly when he died, he recognized who Abraham was. And immediately he had the knowledge to know Lazarus' name. He never ever met Lazarus. Never met him. Even though he was outside of his gate. Never ever met him. And the Bible tells us that Lazarus, as he called out, Abraham responded back and said, Son, Remember, I want you to think for a moment, reflect backwards, remember that in your lifetime you had everything going for yourself, and this poor beggar had nothing in life, and now this poor beggar is being comforted, and you are being tormented.
Those are the very words. The saddest thing about that is you study theology, you study the Bible, is that hell is only a temporary place. It's a place for a little while. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation chapter 20 and 21, that hell and death and every demon and Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophet will be thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and every wicked person that has ever existed. And they're going to live together forever and ever and ever in the lake of fire with full consciousness. Imagine that. That's why, man, I make it so real in my life when I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that are in the audience to make sure you don't miss what God says. It's a real place. Demons are real. They've been around for a long time. And they know that one day they're going to go to the lake of fire. You'll see that in a moment here. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Feel free to visit us at somebodylovesyou.com or call us anytime at 800-634-9165. Don't forget, we're here to support you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Coming up in a few moments, we'll tell you about a reassuring book pointing to the overcoming life you can have with Christ. Now, back to more of Raul's teaching. But this young man that was demon-possessed, he did not have a sober mind. His mind was possessed by Satan. And he did things that he ordinarily would not do if he was not directed and guided by Satan. And when Jesus saw him, Jesus had compassion for him. Look what it says in verse 4. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. You see, it was out of their hands. It was something supernatural that this man was possessed by. No one could touch him. No one could come near him. But Jesus could. And I believe that anybody that is a child of God, full of the Holy Spirit, living a life of obedience to God, can approach any demon-possessed person, and they can pray and demand from Satan to come out of that person. And you don't have to be afraid. If you're a real child of God. But if you're not really walking with God and your life is not really with God, I would not dare to pray for someone to come out of the body of Satan. You have to be a man full of the Holy Spirit. You have to love God and you have to walk in obedience to God. For greater is he that is in me than he that is of the world. Look what else it says about this man. Verse 5. Notice the picture of torment here. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Can you imagine what this man physically must have looked like? For a long time now, he'd been cutting himself. Satan was actually trying to kill him. And when he saw Jesus from afar off, notice he ran over and worshipped him. Now, don't let that deceive you in a moment here. He didn't run over and say, Oh, Jesus, I love you. I'm so good to see you. He did not say that. The demon saw Jesus, not the man. 
Literally in the Greek here it says, the word to worship means to prostrate oneself, to kiss the hand or to kiss the ground. It is literally a term used for someone that is tormented and is fearful. It's you Lord, what do you want? It's not something that a Christian would do. The demon knew that this was God. And he was fearful because he knew that the same God that was standing there was going to torment him one day forever and ever and ever. He knew it. Notice the recognition here. Verse 7. And then he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? How did he know that? He'd been in heaven before. Before he was cast out. You see? But it's so incredible that here he's crying out with a loud voice. He's recognizing and he knows that in the future that he is going to be tormented. I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Notice they know they're going to be tormented. Don't torment me now. Are you here to cast me into the lake of fire? Hey, it's not our time yet. For he said unto him, Jesus Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Notice that Jesus wasn't screaming or yelling. He said, hey, come out. Satan's not deaf. He can hear you in a small voice. When you talk to the right person, if you're not talking to the person that is demon-possessed, when they're in their right mind, you know for a fact when the demon speaks, he speaks lies. Here the demon speaks out and he says, My name is Legion. Legion, which means in the Greek, many. Do you know how many Romans were in a legion? Soldiers? 6,000 Roman soldiers in a legion. You mean to tell me that this man was possessed by 6,000 demons? Well, I don't know if 6,000 demons, but that is his name. Legion. Look what he says. And he begged him earnestly. That he would not send them out into the country. Hey, don't send us out into the country. And then a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains, which was unlawful to the Jews. A bunch of pigs were out there. And so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. And then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. And there were about 2,000 swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the Sea of Galilee and drowned in the sea. It doesn't mean that the demons drowned. Remember, demons don't have bodies. They have spirit bodies. They can't die. And look what else he says to them. He says, and then those who fed the swine fled. And they told it to the whole city and the country. And they went out to see what had happened. So these guys were so blown away by this. They went out and got the whole town together. And they all came out. Now you would think that all the people coming out to see this great miracle. They would be glad. And they would invite Jesus into their city. But they were so offended. Because they were thinking of the money. That instead of inviting Jesus. They literally asked Jesus to leave the country. How sad. How sad when Jesus wants to do so much good and people reject His grace and His love and His mercy. That happens all the time. People would rather have pigs and be pigs in their lives 
and to have Jesus rule over them. And that's a sad story, but it's a true story even today. Notice what it says about them. Verse 12. And so all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine. So they went. In verse 14. And those who fed the swine fled and told the city, the whole country. And they were not to see what had happened to them. And so they came to Jesus and saw... And one who had been demon-possessed and had a legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Notice how beautiful that is. What was he doing? Hey, what's up? He's not the same person. Isn't that a beautiful picture of so many of us when we come to Jesus Christ? How people don't really believe that we have been born again of the Holy Spirit because of our past life. No, it cannot be. There's no way he could be saved. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ saved me. Touch my life. Watch what it says in verse 16. And then those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon possessed about the swine. And then they began to plead with Jesus, notice, to stay, no, to depart from the region. Isn't that sad? Jesus, why don't you get out of here? We don't want you around. We don't want you to be, hey, you're going to spoil our business. We want you to leave immediately. We don't want to thank you, and we don't want anything to do with you. And when he got into the boat, as they asked him to leave, he got into the boat, and he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Hey, Jesus, why don't you let me go with you? However, Jesus did not permit him to come with him. But he said to him, hey, look, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how He has compassion on you. Notice the message we're to take to our friends when we get saved. God doesn't call you to leave your hometown. He asks you to stay in your hometown and give your testimony when you come to Jesus Christ. Go to your friends. Go to your mother. Go to your father. It doesn't mean they're going to believe you. But here Jesus Christ is actually commissioning him. Commissioning him to stay home and to preach the gospel and to be a witness. Why? Because, hey, you were demon possessed. Everybody knows it. You were out of your mind. And now that you're clothed and of a sound mind, what a great testimony is going to be to all those people that know your family. And know your friends. And they're going to be shocked when you walk into their home. And say, mom and dad, I'm home. And guess what? Jesus healed me and touched my life today. That's what Jesus wants us to do every day of our lives. To share with people the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. We hope you've been strengthened by today's look at Christ's absolute authority over the spiritual realm. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to hear today's program again, we'll be happy to send you an unedited version for a gift of $5 or more. Simply call 800-634-9165 and ask for Raul's teaching from Mark chapter 5. Now, as you think about the strength that Jesus' name gives you as his follower, we'd like to equip you with Rawls' book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. 
This resource will guide you in recognizing spiritual attacks and instruct you in combating Satan's destructive strategies with the Bible's truth. Drawing from his Vietnam War experience and outlining parallels to the spiritual battlefield, Rawl also provides biblical tactics for fighting evil forces of darkness. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 to order Rawls' book titled Victory, Overcoming Our Enemies. We'll send your copy for $14 plus shipping and handling. Once again, that's 800-634-9165. To order by writing us, our mailing address is Somebody Loves You Radio, Post Office Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. As we continually look for new ways to help you experience the power and wisdom of God's Word, we welcome your feedback. We also encourage you to access all of our free resources. Join Rawl on YouTube for Straight Talk every Tuesday at 10 a.m. West Coast time. It's a Q&A program that provides practical, Bible-based guidance for godly living. You won't want to miss out on it. Now, if you've missed one of Rawl's lessons or you'd like to hear one again, Every Somebody Loves You radio program can be downloaded as a podcast using Spotify or iTunes. Plus, our free app features a wealth of scripture-rich resources as well as a link to our online store. Somebody Loves You radio is a listener-supported ministry. Your tax-deductible donations help keep these programs on the air and bring clear Bible teaching to people all over the country. Thanks so much for your partnership. Coming up on the next Somebody Loves You Radio, we'll get even more biblical insight to lift your spirit and renew your mind as you meditate on God's goodness and power. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.